Good morning, City Light. All right. I am excited this morning. I am often excited, but I'm especially excited this morning because uh, like Dan talked about, last week we got a commission two new church plants. If you were here, you saw it was City Light Kansas City and City Light Southwest Iowa. Dan already said it, but it's worth saying again this Sunday, right now, this is the very first week that City Light Southwest Iowa gets to gather together on a Sunday morning. That is awesome. Yes. What that means is their core team got to eat together and sing together and pray together and hear Dougie preach the word together. It means new people got to give smiles and high fives at a new front door, and new people got to make coffee, and new people got to serve in City Light Kids, and new people got to click through the slides while Dougie preached. City Light, we actually planted another church. It really happened. I got to say, it's amazing. I get really excited about this, and I want to thank you guys, because it means your prayers matter. Your generosity matters. The way that you guys went down there to support their prayer meetings, the way you put your sweat equity into their work days, all of that matters. God is using real people like you and me to plant real churches and multiply real disciples among us. We get to see it with our own eyes. I don't know about you, that gets me really excited. I get kind of amped up. I'm just a little guy, so a little bit goes a long way with me, okay? Uh, I'm excited about all that. I'm excited to be in Acts chapter 2 as well this morning. We're going to be in Acts um, all this fall. We're looking at chapter 2 today. As we get started, I want to ask you the question, have you ever seen two things that seem really different work together? Two very different things try to work together. Sometimes that doesn't go very well. Like a short guy and a tall guy trying to take a selfie. Like, look at this. This is embarrassing. You barely see my chin and you get all of his sleeve. That's just not fair. I even stepped in front of him. Short legs come with short arms, so perspective just doesn't happen. I don't even get mad. I do look like a hobbit sometimes, all right? That's just true. It doesn't work. The struggle is real. Sometimes very different things don't work all that well together. It's not just short guys and selfies. Think about Huskers and winning football games. (laughs) The season hadn't even started. I couldn't help myself. I just, that happens. Sometimes very different things don't work well together, but other times things that seem very different actually do work well together. So think about this. Um, Last, uh, at the nine o'clock, nobody was on board with me on this, so we'll see if it lands here. Think about this, toothpaste and pimples. You ever work these two things together? The product is made to clean your teeth, but if you got a zit before bed at night, put some toothpaste on it, it helps in the morning. Anybody ever experienced it? Just me. I got a beard now that covers it all up, so Uh, I don't do it as often. Toothpaste and pimples, this kind of thing that they they don't seem to go together. Sometimes they work together. This happens often in God's plan. Think about Noah. This guy built a huge boat when there was no body of water around to float it on. Think about David. He was a shepherd boy and he got crowned king. Think about Nehemiah, he was a Jewish servant who was a cupbearer to the king in Iran. 
And that king gave him money and resources to go back and rebuild the walls of defense around Jerusalem. Now that seems crazy today. It was just as crazy back then. Maybe even crazier, something that doesn't go together. The savior hero of the world died on a cross. Man, common sense would tell us that boats need water to float. Shepherds don't become kings. Emperors don't fund their subjects' self-defense budgets. Heroes don't die, and toothpaste is made to go in your face, not on your face, right? It, they, sometimes things that don't seem to go together actually work together really well, and I think Today, in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see something like that. We're going to see that play out. So let me give you the two things, all right? First, we're going to see the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2 comes in power, and some sort of weird but pretty amazing stuff happens, and those happenings draw a crowd And as they draw that crowd, we see Peter, one of Jesus' friends from before he died and rose again. Uh, Peter stands up and introduces the second thing we see, the word of God. So Peter stands up, addresses this crowd, and he starts quoting verses from this kind of obscure little Old Testament book called Joel. Who's read Joel recently, right? Like Peter must have known his Bible. And so we see the Spirit of God and the Word of God both come on the scene in Acts chapter 2. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems to me like those things don't always go together. They seem kind of different from each other. I think oftentimes people are even more comfortable on one side or the other. You tracking with me? I think on one side, people are more comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Um, They've got a passion. They want to see the Spirit fall to show up, to make himself known and experienced and felt. They want to sing more songs on Sundays, have more prayer meetings throughout the week. They want more freedom, more gifts, more Spirit. That's one side. Then on the other side, you got people who are more comfortable with God's Word, the Word of God. Those people want to read their Bibles, study their Bibles, teach their Bibles. They know that what our young church needs is a solid biblical foundation. So they want more truth, more classes, more teaching, more Bible. And what at first glance might seem like very different things, Acts chapter 2 tells us work together quite beautifully. I might describe it like this. The Spirit of God And the word of God work together to lift high the son of God. We're going to see the spirit of God and the word of God work together and they're going to just lift up Jesus. Okay, so here's how it's going to play out this morning. We'll see how this all unfolds. We'll see the story in three parts. The spirit descends, the word defends, and then Jesus multiplies disciples. I'm not a good Baptist this morning, only two rhymes, okay? The Spirit descends, the Word defends, Jesus multiplies disciples. Uh, The Holy Spirit kicks it off. Now, if you'll remember, Jesus told his disciples, hey, you need to wait for me. Jesus had died, rose again, walked on the earth. He was getting ready to ascend back into heaven and sit on the throne. And as he was going up, he says, hey, wait until the Holy Spirit comes, and then you'll be my, dis- my witnesses. You'll give an account of all that you've seen to the whole world. But just wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And so there were about 120 people, and they did what Jesus said. They just waited. 
And they were waiting, and they were waiting, and they gathered in this house, and they were waiting. And then, after they'd waited for a while, Jesus made good on his promise. He sent the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, here's how the book of Acts describes it. (coughs) And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Man, I don't know exactly what this felt like, looked like when we were there, but I can tell you one thing. Had you been in that house when the Holy Spirit came, you couldn't have missed it. Right? The Holy Spirit didn't come like a breeze through a drafty old house. It says the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. Have you ever stood outside in a storm? Have you ever seen a tornado twist? Man, a mighty rushing wind can't be ignored. It's felt. It's almost seen. It's felt so strongly. And it's loud. You can't hear people talking next to you. I I was going to try to blow into my microphone. It just doesn't work, right? Oh, kind of. It's loud. When the wind blows, the volume turned up. Have you ever experienced that? The Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind, and not only was the volume loud, the lights were bright. The Bible says that tongues as of fire, divided tongues of fire, came down, appeared to everybody, and then rested on each one of them. So it's bright. This is flames burning, resting on everybody. Now that's kind of weird. And I don't know for sure. I'm, I haven't seen them with my own eyes, but I've been told the original manuscripts that the Bible was written on don't include pictures. Okay, the original one was not an illustrated edition. So we don't get to know exactly what this looks like. We're left to our imaginations. And so as I was kind of trying to picture all this, I just... I see the City Light logo and the Rolling Stones logo kind of merge together, right? Something, maybe, I could be off, I don't know, this is one of the questions that I'm going to ask someday in heaven. Um, We don't know, it's left to our imagination, but it says, flaming tongues of fire came down and rested on everybody, and if the sounds weren't loud enough and the lights weren't bright enough, everybody in the house started speaking in foreign languages, Man, I just got to say, as I read all of this, it seems really awesome and really weird. Anybody else with me? I think part of me thinks I would have loved to have been there. I just, I want to know what it was like to feel the Holy Spirit come like a mighty wind. And I want to see what those flames looked like. And it'd be kind of cool to speak in another language, right? But then the other part of me says, if that happened today, I don't know how I'd respond. You know, I... It could weird me out. So the other part of me is like, I'm glad I just get to read about it in the Bible. It happened to somebody else, and I just get to read it. You might be on one side or the other, but either way, uh, it was pretty awesome and pretty weird. And since this day is not a common day in the life of the church, I thought it'd just be good to spend a moment trying to unpack what, what's going on here. Let's try to make a little sense of what's happening. I think at the very most basic level, what we see happening here is Jesus keeping his word. Jesus keeping his promise. He said to his disciples before he died, I'm going to go away and it'll be better for you when the Holy Spirit comes. I'm going to send a helper. 
And then before he went up to heaven, he said, wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so they waited. And then what we're seeing here is just Jesus keeping his word. The Holy Spirit came. Jesus sent him. And so one thing we take away from Acts chapter 2, Jesus keeps his word. We can trust in his promises. What he tells us is going to happen, that will happen. We can take that to the bank. So at a very foundational level, Jesus is telling the truth. We're just seeing the outplaying of Jesus' plan. The next question then might be, well, if he sent the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Right? At church, oftentimes we talk about God the Father. We talk about Jesus, God the Son. We don't often talk about the Holy Spirit. And so that's a legit question. Who's the Holy Spirit? I think we'd answer that question here in a long tradition of the way Christians have answered that question uh, since the Bible was written, right? The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a second-rate, subpar, JV, lesser sort of God. The Holy Spirit is full-fledged, made the A-team equal in power and worth and authority. He is God. And so we believe that God is a trinity. He's one God, but three persons. It's not three gods. It's three persons in one God. And so if you've tracked with me that far, those three persons, God the Spirit, God our God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and God the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit that we're reading about in Acts. And so what's going on here? God came down to man. And so um, in this trinity, this God, one God, and three persons, generally we see uh, each of those persons having kind of a specific role or a unique role. In general, God the Father kind of plans things, oversees things. Uh, God the Spirit, or uh, God the Son, Jesus, he accomplishes things, he completes things, he gets it done. And in general, God the Holy Spirit, he empowers he inspires, and maybe to state the obvious, he lives, right? We serve a living God. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit around here, often we say that the Holy Spirit is a living person living inside a living person. He's a living person that lives inside a living person, right? We would say the Holy Spirit is the living God alive inside every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God who lives in us, inspiring us to follow Jesus' encouragements and commands, and then empowering us to live according to that inspiration. It's pretty amazing. The living God living inside living people. And so God, the Holy Spirit, comes down in Acts chapter 2, and he takes up residence inside these 120 or so people. And when he does that, there's a mighty rushing wind, and there's Mick Jagger's fire tongue everywhere, and a melting pot full of people start hearing about the mighty works of God in their own languages. Now that's pretty crazy. You can imagine the lights and sounds that starts attracting a crowd, and it's the, the crowd, the Bible says, is bewildered that they were speaking in different languages, declaring the works of God, they were bewildered because it's not like these 120 Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit just normally had conversations in all kinds of foreign languages. 
The Bible says that they were Galileans. That's people from Galilee. And the Galileans in those days had really thick accents. And so to put the picture in modern day, you might imagine some backwoods southern Missouri hillbillies walking down from the hills speaking perfect beautiful French or perfect precise Mandarin Chinese. If that happened, you would scratch your head and say, how are you talking like that? I can barely understand your English, right? That kind of stuff just doesn't happen. It's abnormal. It's unusual. It's crazy. It shouldn't happen, but it happened. These people are speaking in other languages. Now, you might ask, why would the Holy Spirit move like that? And I would answer that question and say, the Holy Spirit moved like that because it's true to who he is. The Holy Spirit draws attention to and declares what God has done and what God is doing. He just draws attention to and declares what God is doing. It's one way he inspires and empowers God's people. Here's what Acts 2 says. They, the crowd, were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed. The Holy Spirit got the crowd's attention in a bewildering, amazing, astonishing, perplexing kind of way. And once he got their attention, what did he do? He declared the mighty works of God. And so if you're the kind of person here today that's a little more comfortable on the word of God's side than the spirit of God's side, you kind of got this at arm's length, this passage should be encouraging to you. Because what we see is the movement of the Spirit actually works with the Word of God. See, the, the Holy Spirit, when he filled all these people, caused some kind of crazy stuff to happen. But all of that stuff didn't distract from what God was doing. It declared what God was doing. All that stuff didn't make less of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. It made much of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. The word of God always points the people of God to Jesus Christ. And we can take heart that the Bible says the spirit of God does the same thing. It always points the people of God to the son of God. And so again, we see. The Spirit of God and the Word of God working together to lift high the Son of God. So City Light, can I just take a moment and say, we need the Spirit of God, right? We need the Spirit of God to keep drawing attention to and declaring to the world what God is doing. As we're planting churches in Kansas City and Southwest Iowa, and we want to multiply disciples right here, we need the Spirit of God drawing attention to what God is doing in those places. 
And man, when our friends from Kansas City and our coworkers that commute in from Southwest Iowa and our classmates who are from the region and our neighbors down the road hear what God is doing right near them, we need the Spirit of God to come down and fill us up and declare that it's Jesus who's doing those mighty works. We need the Spirit of God living inside us as living people so that we can lift high the Son of God. We can't do it without Him. We need the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So we see first the Spirit of God descends. And then the Word of God defends. That was a crazy awesome experience when the Spirit of God descended and the people around didn't know quite what to make of it. We see in the Bible that a huge crowd, thousands of people, came around. They man, the, the sights, the sounds, the languages, what's going on? They gathered a crowd, and they didn't know what to make of it. Some of them were just amazed and astonished. Wow, I've never seen anything like this before. That's different. What's going on here? And they just left it at that. They were trying to figure it out. But there were others who weren't comfortable just leaving it there. They started saying, man, we need an explanation. We need to make sense of this. And so they started launching accusations. They said, those people, they must be drunk. They've got to be drunk because people in their right minds don't just start speaking in other languages, gibberish, right? That only happens if you're drunk. Sober people don't turn the volume up that loud. All that wind is blowing, the commotion, it's loud. Sober people don't do that. You'd have to be inebriated to play with fire the way they're playing with fire. You got fire tongues resting on you. That could burn a dude, right? If you got long hair and a beard, that's dangerous. They've got to be drunk. And Peter, remember Jesus' friend, he's standing there and he hears this accusation. And Peter knew, no, it's the Spirit of God, not alcohol, causing this scene. And it's my good friend Jesus, my Savior and Lord, who sent this Spirit. And so when Peter hears the movement of the Spirit of God and the people of God standing under accusation, he can't let it lie. He had to stand up. He had to make a defense. And you know what Peter used to make a defense for the movement of the Spirit of God? He used the word of God. Here's how he started. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. To paraphrase, Peter said, it's only 9 a.m., We're not drunk. This is Jesus, not alcohol. God's just keeping his promise. He said he would pour out the Spirit. That's what you're seeing. Now, clearly, Peter done some devotions and memorized some verses, hadn't he? Because none of us have read Joel lately. At least I haven't. Nobody raised your hands. And in the middle of a super stressful environment, the Spirit of God is moving in new and powerful ways, and a huge crowd, thousands strong, is launching accusations. Peter stands up and has the frame of mind to recall and recite five verses from the book of Joel that outline exactly God's promise to pour out his spirit just like they're seeing it happen. And then he takes that promise of God and he connects it to Jesus, something like this. Hey, you guys remember that Jesus he killed several weeks ago? 
Well, he didn't stay dead. God raised him to new life. He's living. He's the one that David talked about in the Psalms. He's the one that God said he would not abandon to the grave. That's Jesus doing this. And then comes verse 33. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he, Jesus, has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Peter says, man, it's not alcohol, it's Jesus. Peter defended and explained the Spirit of God with the Word of God. We see it again. The Spirit of God and the Word of God work together to lift high the Son of God. And so see, like, can I just say, we need the Word of God, don't we? Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is breathed out by God. That's just another way to say that the Bible is God's word. That's why our sermon series right now is called Acts. And the one before that was Galatians. And the one before that was John. You see how clever we are? (laughs) Right? That's not clever. That's just simple Bible. We preach the Bible and teach the Bible and read the Bible and memorize the Bible because the Bible is God's word. Peter was ready when the Spirit descended and he was ready when God's people stood accused because he had heard the Bible taught, he had read it, he had memorized it, he'd heard Jesus himself explain it, and that meant the promises of God were in Peter's heart, and the words of God and the works of God were in Peter's mind, and so when Peter's people, God's people stood accused, he was ready to make a defense, because he knew what God said he would do. The word of God works with the spirit of God, not against it. And so can I just tell you today one way that we here at City Light trust the Word of God to work with the Spirit of God around here. It happens at 10.02 every morning. Uh, Luke chapter 10 verse 2 records Jesus saying this, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. When Jesus is talking about the harvest, he's talking about people who who are ready to believe in Jesus, to trust in him. They're looking for a savior, for somebody to follow, and they're ready to follow if somebody would just tell them about Jesus. And the laborers that Jesus is talking about, they're just the people who tell. And so what we see in Luke 10 too is Jesus saying, man, the number of people who are ready to follow Jesus is huge, it's plentiful, the harvest is ripe and ready, and the number of people who are ready to go tell, ready to go bring in the harvest, the laborers, that number is few. And so you know what we do? Because we believe what the Bible says, we trust in the word of God. You know what we do every morning at 10.02? We pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. And so when we pray, we don't pray that the Holy Spirit would bring the harvest in of its own accord. That's not normally how harvests get brought in. 
At 10.02, we pray that God would send his Holy Spirit to fill us up and prepare us and send us out by us. I mean you and me, people in the church who already know. God, would you send your Holy Spirit to fill us up and send us out? Would you make us laborers? The disciples would be multiplied from the fields right around us. If the fields are ready to be harvested, we want to be a church full of laborers. And so when people ask the question, and how does City Light grow like that? Man, how does City Light keep planting churches? We've got an answer. And the answer to that question isn't great strategies or new insights or Dougie's biceps, right? None of those things exist. (laughs) He's not even here. That's not fair. None of those things exist. When people ask, how is City Light growing? How do we keep planting churches? We do the same thing that Peter did in Acts chapter 2. We go straight to the word of God. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful and the good Lord of the harvest is going to send laborers out to bring it in. That's all that's happening. That's how we're growing. It is the mighty works of God among us. We get to see it. City Light, we need the word of God. Amen? So, the spirit descends The word defends, and Jesus multiplies disciples. We see the Spirit of God at work, the word of God in Peter's heart, and they work together for a reason. There is a purpose. They lift high the Son of God. It is the climax, the highlight, the main point of Peter's sermon in Acts 2. This is what he says. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. What Peter is saying is that you might not know how all of God's promises in the Old Testament find their greatest yes in Jesus Christ. And you might not know exactly how the Holy Spirit moves or what it's like for him to be alive inside you while you're also alive. You might not know those things, but one thing you can know is that those promises were made in the Old Testament and the Spirit still moves today so that you can know for certain that Jesus is both Lord and Savior. They work together to lift high the Son of God. And if you don't know everything about both of those, they're working together so that you can know that one thing. And that is good news for us today. Listen, when the people in Acts chapter 2, this crowd, saw the Spirit moving and heard the word spoke and learned this is all about Jesus, the Bible says about 3,000 of them gave their lives to Jesus that day. 3,000 people. I'm getting excited again. Can you imagine 3,000 people? That's 42 school buses full of people giving their lives to Jesus. That's half the Mid-America Center filled with people giving their lives to Jesus. That's this room filled 10 times over. If you think three services is great, think 10 services of people giving their lives to Jesus 3,000 people saw the Spirit move, heard the word preached, gave their lives to Jesus. That's good news for us today, and I'll tell you why. It's good news because it means that Jesus wasn't just out to seek and save the lost when he walked in this world. He died and he rose again and he sent his Spirit so that lost people can still be saved. So the people who are living in darkness can still see the light, so the harvest can be brought in. Jesus is still working among us. Man, I am... 
I don't know how else to say it. My prayer is that what we see happening in Acts chapter 2 would continue to be the same thing that we see happening among us. This is not a new move of God. This is an old move of God, a move that started right after Jesus ascended to heaven, right when he sent the Holy Spirit. God is still on the move, and we get to see it with our own eyes. We are here to multiply disciples and churches. And so when we talk about multiplying disciples, I want to be clear. We're not talking about drawing a bigger crowd. We're not talking about becoming a bigger church. We're talking about seeing the same thing happen today that we see happen back in Acts chapter 2. We're talking about new people finding life in Jesus Christ. We're talking about lifting high the Son of God so that people experience his saving grace. And so we ask the question, why do we gather on Sunday mornings? It's to multiply disciples that love Jesus Christ. Why do we scatter in city groups throughout the week? To multiply disciples that love Jesus Christ. Why do we preach straight from the Bible week in and week out? To multiply disciples that love Jesus Christ. Why do we pray that the Holy Spirit would move in people like you and me to declare all that God has done? To multiply disciples of Jesus Christ. Why do we send people and resources to plant new churches? To multiply disciples that love Jesus Christ. Why do we support overseas missions and missionaries? To multiply disciples that love Jesus Christ. Are you catching a trend? This is what we're about. This is City Light Church. And so I got to tell you, man, if you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, You have not met him and known him and experienced his love and grace and kindness and power and change and transformation in your heart. Can I tell you today, there is no time like the present. Man, if you've been wondering and questioning and wrestling and saying, I just don't know. God, are you real? Man, today, would you just Ask him to prove himself to you. If you want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. That just means confessing before God, man, I'm I'm a broken person who needs to be made whole. B, believe in the Savior. That just means we trust that Jesus lived and died and rose to new life and offers us that same new life. We trust in him for our healing and restoration and forgiveness. And see, we commit to follow him. That means just like people on the keto diet turn from carbs to get a fitter frame, we turn from sin and our own ways to get a better life, one in Jesus Christ. Admit you're a sinner, believe in the Savior, and commit to follow him. And here at City Light, multiplying disciples and churches, it's our mission, it's our calling, it's our passion, it's our purpose. It is all about Jesus. And so it's my prayer that the same truth we see in Acts 2 would be seen in us now and always. The Spirit of God and the Word of God working together to lift high the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, great and awesome God, it is humbling and exciting and amazing to see you move among us. God, there's no way that uh, we build a church like this on our own. There's no way that we get to plant churches on our own. There's no way that people turn and give up control of their own lives and give it to you, but by your grace and your Holy Spirit. And so God, today, I just, 
as I've been preparing and praying, I feel like there are probably people in our church who are just skeptical of the Spirit of God. We just got the Spirit at arm's length, wondering, man, if you come in wind and fire and tongues, I don't know. I don't know if I want that. Man, God, I just ask today, would you convince us of the reality? It's good to have the Holy Spirit. It is good to have the living God living inside us. Whether it's wind and flames or just a a peace and a new boldness to live for you or a new generosity instead of holding tightly to what we have, we give freely to those in need. Or new love for the people around us. God, however the Spirit would move in us, God, would you make us a people that embrace that, that long for that, that look for that? God, I think on the other side, there are people who have just never read the Bible. They've heard about it. They've read a couple verses here and there, but they think that's a big book. I'm intimidated. I don't know where to start. I'm not good at reading. I don't have enough time. And all of those things keep us away from your word. God, I ask, would you make us a people that never stray from your word? Make us a people that read it and learn it and love it and obey it. God, we do want a sure foundation and there is no other sure foundation than the word of God. And so God, would you make us a people of your word? And lastly, God, I just pray for the people who've never known your spirit or your word. They might be here saying, I don't know why I'm here. I don't belong in a church. I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. I've done too many bad things. I don't believe that. That's crazy. That's not for me. That's old-fashioned. That's not for today. God, I don't know why you brought them here today. I don't know what they bring with them here today. But I got to believe, God, that you are still calling people to yourself. And so if you're here today and you're wondering, Jesus, are you for me? The answer is yes. If you're here today and you want to follow Jesus, you recognize you're broken and you need to be made whole, and if Jesus can do that, you want to turn to him, just simply pray. And Jesus, I'm broken, and I need a fixer. I need uh, somebody who can make me right in all the places that I've messed up and been wrong. I need somebody to forgive me for all the things that I've messed up, all the ways that I've sinned and hurt people. I need somebody to give me power to get through this day. I can't even think about this year. I just got to get through the end of the day. God, I need somebody with power that can do that. If you can do that, then Jesus, I invite you into my heart. You can be my king. I'll give up my old ways and turn to you. And Jesus, enter in now. If you prayed that prayer, know that uh, Jesus is faithful to his people. He sends his spirit, Peter, in Acts 2. When the crowd said, what do we do? He said, repent and believe uh, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sends his Holy Spirit still today. Oh, Jesus, would you continue to use us as laborers that make disciples and multiply churches. God, for your glory and our good, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.